Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening and popping in the culture. And there's nothing popping as hot right now as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And my guest today, Wyatt Russell, even though he's got all these people that he's co-starring with, you, Wyatt, are stealing this thing. Because no, I don't know about your Captain America, whether I hate him, whether I think he's great, whether I want to strangle him, whether I, and I just can't figure out what the hell he is and what he's doing, which is a great compliment to you. Thank you. Thank, that, th I will take it as a compliment. Thank you very much for saying that. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused too. That's how, I, that's how I did it. I just was like super confused the whole time and I just acted <laughs> confused and now everybody's confused and, I, and so it's like, you know, it's all working. <laughs> but we're five episodes down, one to go. Yeah, so, so um, you know, what, but what's cool about the, what's cool, what's been cool about this series is that um, they have been able to dive into the characters a bit more so that there is the ability to have more complex thoughts about people which is what was fun about doing it. Um, they've always done a really good job in their allotted time frame of making movies or two hour movie to, to create characters that are, that are really interesting and complex. And they've built, been able to build on that. And we were able to help in that process. And so it was really fun to bring Marvel, a character that maybe uh, they didn't have time to bring to life before. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. What was the first thing you did when you realized that you'd gotten this part? Did you call Chris Evans and just say, what the <laughs> hell do I do now? Uh, what, what was unknown? I, no, I never, I haven't talked, I, I never, I never spoke to Chris. I was always saying, I, like, that's the, that's the phone call you want to get. Like, oh yeah, the new guy who's playing Captain America wants to like pick your brain about being Captain America. <laughs> like, the last phone call I'm sure he wants to get. Um, I, 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 what was the first, I went home. And I told my wife that they, that the part that I had read for was for Captain America and John Walker. And they, they liked me for it and would like me to do it. And I talked with her about whether or not I should do it. Um, because it's a big commitment, you know, it's a big commitment. You're, you're, you're playing a character. I don't, I, I've always, as you said before, I'm a little bit sometimes worried about being defined by a character I play more than the, than the choices that I end up making. Cause I, movie making is a long haul you know I, i'd like to be able to be doing this into my 70s and 80s if that's what you know mm -hmm. I, I enjoy making movies i enjoy the process of it and i and i don't want to be pigeonholed by a character i play or anything like that so it was part of that was the fear of um doing a marvel thing will anybody see me as anything else mm -hmm. and and we were able to talk it over uh and and she kind of went a long way into convincing me that you know it would be good for us and my career. And, and if I did it well and did it like I was saying, I think I could, that it would, it would work. But you know, of all the characters that you could play in Marvel, this guy is interesting because yes, John Walker is a different Captain America. You know, it was Chris Evans and then he wasn't. Then the Chris Evans Captain America said, I'm gonna give it to the Falcon. You know, Anthony Mackie is gonna be Captain America. And he said, I don't want this thing. I yeah. should be yeah. in a museum somewhere. So we don't know. This guy can take on all kinds of manifestations. Yeah, and that's what but that's part of you know what you're seeing him do in the first few episodes is as I think that like I think that any, what was interesting about 
him to me that connected to parts of my humanness that I think we've all felt is even if you have accomplishments that you've made in your life, uh, it's very difficult to see your own accomplishments for what they are. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, a lot of times you're a lot of people are their own harshest critic, especially people who I think are good at their job. And he was good at his job. Uh, John Walker's a Marine. He's very good at his job. He's awarded medals of honor and all kinds of stuff. But I thought it was interesting that most of the times deep down in, in those people's heart, they, they don't believe that they're that good. And that now he's been this because he's had opportunities before. We don't know what his failures were, but usually when you're awarded a medal of honor, um, something really bad had to go wrong. You know, yeah. it really had to go, something had to get real effed up for that to happen. So I think he views those as a little bit sometimes as a, as a badge of failure. And uh, he's been using, he's been living off of that for a long time. Now he gets this opportunity to be Captain America and he views it as a way to right his wrongs. And you go down that path and all of a sudden you start to make decisions that maybe you shouldn't have made or shouldn't make, or you go down the wrong, wrong rabbit hole and things can end up pretty poorly. And that's what this is doing, this series that I didn't expect from it and that uh, it surprises me in a good way, is that it really questions the nature of heroism, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that that's really part of what I think you hit it on the head. It's what kind of hero are you going to be? You know, everybody has an identity in their life that they've modeled themselves after as to what their superhero is, whether that's an athlete or an actor or a politician or somebody. And we usually don't see those super heroic figures for their flaws. We just see them for their idealistic view of who mm -hmm. they portray themselves to be or, or have been perceived to be. And what we don't see is the inner struggle of those people finding out who they are and, and with with john in particular and i can't speak for the other guys because they have their own own journeys that they talk about what was but it's really interesting is john has never necessarily had to face this in himself but the other two guys kind of they're facing it now but in a much different way uh and john is is for the first time really facing it on a on a public stage. You know, I thought that episode four was the one that was going to get me because that's when John Walker, AKA, you know, who uh, uses the shield basically to kill somebody because he's that pissed off, you know? Right. Yeah. In public. Right. Yeah. So that every, right. everybody sees it. And then in episode five, now the idea of the government who decided he was their Captain America says, no, go home. Yeah, right. And, I, and, and so part of what I thought was interesting with that was that, that again, this idea of we, we, we exist in a way to put people on pedestals and then like rip them off the pedestal. And for, the, for us, there's a cathartic uh, element to it for the public. But for the person, if you don't understand what they were going through, and I think speaks to larger things too, if you don't understand what that person was going through in their own mind, you don't truly understand uh, the, the circumstantial context for what that person was doing. So when he's in the court martial saying, I, I gave you my life and I loved you. And now you take the shield back from me and you're burning me at the stake for doing a job that I was taught to do. You taught me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just did it. But now you're telling me that that's wrong. I feel wrong. And hopefully setting up a character 
that like moving forward, you're looking at a person who's been wronged by the US government. He's feels like, you know, when a family member turns their back on you and you've loved them and they, and they, and you say, I love you and they don't say, I love you back. It's mm -hmm. very painful. And a person who doesn't trust the people that the new people he's working with, because they haven't given him the seal of approval and he feels alone. And that person with the super serum and all the stuff that goes along in his anger and his PTSD and his issues that have been unresolved, uh, coupled with those things is a very dangerous uh, character. And I, I, you know, I'd love to see where, where it goes and we'll see. But he's got to build his own shield now. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to go build his own shield. His own. Come kind on, of you know what? Do you have a shield under that bed? Did yeah. You, you know, take I, that? well, I, <laughs> this, the Airbnb I rented did not uh, come with a uh, Captain America shield, although I did request it in a special request uh, form, but they wouldn't let me take, they wouldn't let me take it on the air. <laughs> On the airplane. That's just wrong. <laughs> but how did it come about for you? How did it come about that from all the things you've done? And, you know, I've been watching you do these things that you do so well from, you know, back with Rick Linklater, you know, and everybody wants some with two exclamation points to 22 Jump Street to you doing something, you know, where you're a folk singer. You don't seem to box yourself into too many things. Well, it's funny because I think that most times when you do something and you do it um, relatively well or pull it off enough that uh, the way the business works is that most people don't like to make bets on things or people that they don't have some feeling or uh, understanding of what they're going to get. You know, like they, there's in a business that's filled with uh, things that make you feel unsure about yourself or unsure about the bets that you're making you want to feel some sense of uh, um, consistency. So a lot of times you do something, you do it well, and the consistency of that character carries through and it makes you feel like, oh, I've got, I've got a thing I can do and I've, I've got a person right. I can be. And you kind of have to, uh, if you don't want to be that all the time, play against it. And then, and then by playing, playing against it, you're kind, of you're kind of making it harder in a certain way, but hopefully in the long run, it ends up becoming uh, something that defines your career in a more broad term than mm -hmm. just playing a stoner, uh, if that's what, you know, like, and everybody kind of had that version of, of themselves when they first start, but you just keep plugging away and eventually, if you do a good enough job, they'll end up, I think, hiring you to do a, broad, a range of things if you're good, if you're good at it, you know? Yeah, they do. But I mean, you grew up with that. You, you're a kid of Hollywood royalty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When your yeah. dad is Kurt Russell and your mother is Goldie Hawn, this is a business that you grew up in, in a way, didn't you? A lot. Yeah, a lot. And I grew up in a, in it, you know, what I would, I would guess it would be, I, I, I imagine it's a healthy way. Uh, they made it a part of our lives in a way that was always secondary, but your work is also very important. And when you go to work, a lot of people are there to, to make you look good. Mm -hmm. Making a movie is a privilege. You're privileged to be able to do it. Uh, and, and, and so it's about working hard and, and, and knowing that uh, what you're doing is, is going to be worth it because of the work you're putting into it, not necessarily the end result. And, so working that way, uh, learning from them that way and being on sets 
and you know you've been doing this for a long time you've talked to a lot of actors and yeah. you've probably seen it, the way it may have changed over the years and 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 so there's an old time work ethic that they definitely have mm-hmm. uh, that i that is you know they passed on to us and so when we go to work it's time to work and it's fun but it's work time and mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of people there who they're leaving their families at home and they're working nights and they're not seeing their kids. And so to make that uh, not, not a fun, exciting and fulfilling experience would be a detriment to the entire experience. Do they comment on your work when they see it? Do they say, sure, yeah. okay, yeah. Good yeah, yeah, sure. They'll, they give, they critique, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll tell you what they think. And it's always a fun conversation because they have insights that, just from experience and doing it a long time and doing it at a high level that are fun to listen to. You don't always have to, you don't always have to agree. Um, but the conversation (laughs) is lively. Yeah. Well, as parents, that's a part of the deal too. You don't always agree, but with you, this wasn't what you wanted to be an actor, right? No, you wanted to play Uh, hockey. Yeah. So I, I, I was a hockey player, um, growing up. I, uh, moved to Vancouver when I was 15 uh, years old. And then I, I lived in Vancouver from about 15 to 19. I played in Chicago, Toronto, Alabama, Colorado, uh, Vancouver. Um, and then I, I moved and played in uh, Germany and Holland for my professional hockey. Yeah. My few years of that. And it was just a great time. I learned everything about life through that. Uh, you know, I played till I was 24, so it was a, it was kind of an entire lifetime of doing it. It was an injury, right? It was you had an injury that made it impossible for you to continue playing. Yeah, I, I broke my hip uh, playing. I had, I had a I had a degenerative hip condition. Mm-hmm. It just was time. It was it was also time to to stop. I was 24 and playing in Europe, and you're not making a lot of money. And, and eventually you had to, I, ha- I had to look at myself and go, well, am I going to get a surgery and go back and take a year off? And I'm going to be 26 years old. And that's an old man in sports, isn't it? Yeah. You know, even if you're 30, I had this moment where I was like, well, if I have a long career and I end at 34, which is like a good career, what are you doing after? You know, like I'm not playing in the NHL. It's like taking drugs. You, you have to withdraw. It's like you go through withdrawals, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a real drug. You go out and you put your pads on and you go out and there's people cheering and you, you, it's, it services your ego in a, in a really nice way. Yeah. But did you ever have that moment after you knew you weren't going to play hockey anymore before you decided to go into acting where you said, what the hell am I going to do? Did you? Yeah. Have- yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I didn't know because I felt like if I was gonna go do acting, that it would be some sort of a failure. Like I'd be a failure because a lot of people would say a lot of uh, most of my life, well, why don't you just go be an actor? And I was like, because I'm really, I love, I love hockey, and I'm trying to be a hockey player, and I'm good at, it. you know, I'm, I'm succeeding, I'm moving up, and I'm playing in high level hockey, right? Playing, playing at a high level, and the push against that made me feel like I was doing something that was worthwhile. Um, and that I was learning things and I was struggling in a way to prove to the people around me and more inevitably to myself that I was uh, really good objectively at something, not because of the fact that I was born lucky. 
and so once I kind of figured that out, that that's not what life's about. What life's about is proving to yourself that you can actually work. Uh, you can work hard for yourself and it doesn't matter what other people really think. Although it does, you want people it's to hard. like, your, yeah. you know, you, it's like it's simultaneous. Saying you suck, it's not good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You don't, that doesn't feel good. You want, yeah. you want to feel good about it. Yeah. So, but the, but the only way you can do that is to put in the time and the work and the effort and, and hopefully that that ends up being, you know, embedded in the, in the, in the end result. When did you feel it? When did you feel in front of the camera that you were comfortable? Um, I like really, like really comfortable, like honestly comfortable. I don't yeah, know but I you said, felt. okay, yeah, I can do this. I think that, um, I think that I always had a, 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 a general feeling of, oh yeah, I can do this. I, I told this story. There's a there's a hockey player named Ray Bork. I went to a Washington Capitals camp when I was 17, and he had a son named Chris Bork. Ray Bork's like one of the best hockey players of all time, and Chris Bork was there, and he was the son of Ray Bork, and he was really good, a, a unbelievably good hockey player. But he was small, and he wasn't someone that you'd walk into a room and go, "That guy's a hockey player. He's going to be a major star." But when he walked through the locker room, it just felt like he was supposed to be there. Not because he was arrogant or anything other than just confident because he had been there a thousand times because his dad played a gajillion hockey games and is a hall of famer. He just feels comfortable in the environment that felt that way to me going on a movie set, just because that was the environment I grew up in. No other reason. I had heard somebody once say in the last couple of months that that they wanted you to be in the remake of Escape to New York. Yeah, and be uh, such a bad idea. Such a bad idea, really? It Don't you work. think it's a bad idea? Mm, you know, until it's a good idea. You know, you can never tell. <laughs> you're totally right. I don't know what your dad would say about it. I bet he'd be really supportive. I think that my dad would be really supportive. Of it. Well, uh, yeah, he'd be supportive of, it, of anything at the end of the day. But, uh, but that's like, that's like, to me, that's like career suicide one-on-one. Like, why would you want, that's such a creative character that came. What's interesting is those, those characters he did, they weren't comic books, you know, they were just out of like John Carpenter's head and, and his head. So there's no um, IP that that was attached to before they created it. So it's such a created by like, you. it's like if a comic book writer then went and acted in it and directed the comic book. And then you're like, wait, and then you're going to redo it. It kind of like, to me, it's sort of not, it doesn't like fit. And for me to redo it, it sounds like just about the worst idea I can imagine. So um, I don't think I'll be redoing it, but if somebody else wants to try, it's like, hey, don't make a great movie. You yeah, know? Let them risk that, you know, I sure. think that's a, that's a tough one to do. I got to let you go. But on this show, and this is the first time you've been on. And so it's great to have you. We always end in a little bit of song. And okay. I know, out of nowhere, I heard you, you know, in Folk Hero and Funny Guy, there you are with a guitar and you're singing this song. And I don't know, is music a part of your life like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Music is a massive part of my life. I always found uh, it was hockey and guitar. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I would lock myself in my room and all the feelings that you have about angst as a teenager or whatever we, we were able to i'm able to express non-verbally i thought that was it was special to me um and then i got into uh making guitars and uh became wow. a 
uh, what's called a luthier when I was living in Vancouver, learning how to build and make guitars. And now I'm making violins and it's become a, a kind of a rather large part of my life. What are you singing to your son? Buddy, that's his name? Oh, yeah. I, I uh, well, I, I sing, I, what am I singing? I'm singing a lot of, a lot of songs. Recently, um, uh, there's, a, you know, John Martin? He's like yeah. an Irish folk singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was singing this song, this, the, it's uh, like, I'm going away, leave you, leave you in disgrace. And then I realized that the song I was singing is all about like leaving and doing drugs and like, <laughs> or, but <laughs> I was like, this, this is terrible, terrible subliminal messaging. So, yeah. um, so may, uh, so then I started singing another John Martin song called may you never. And it's that song where, where it's like, may you never lay your head down without a hand to hold. May you never make your bed out in the cold. I love that song. And see, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And that's, 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 yeah, that's the subliminal messaging I want. I don't want, um, I'm doing cocaine and drugs and going over a hill and never coming back. And that's a beautiful song, but it, lyrically, I, I don't know. I thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's great to talk to you. Thanks, Peter. Hopefully next time I can come and see you, we'll be together. We can do it in person.